Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapsEXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. So December 20th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, my friend and co-host, Case Lowe. In case, we both are up against it tonight. Yeah, look, nothing says happy holidays like hitting that red circle donation button for your number one podcast for the number two Japanese promotion. Mike and I were briefly discussing before we started recording that the, the holiday season takes no prisoners, and you and I are both feeling it right now. Yeah, so one of the things that I've been doing over the last few months is one of my favorite radio personalities returned to the air in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I have been listening to his drive-time show pretty religiously, Case, and he has a good phrase. It's not just about getting to Christmas, it's about clearing Christmas. Yeah. And uh, it's a thing. Dude, I so I am leaving town tomorrow morning. I am getting up at 
four o'clock in the morning, getting in the car, driving down to the Southern compound. But right as I woke up this morning, my door broke. Like your front door? My back door. Okay. My All right. Still, still, still not good. Still not good. So I'm leaving town tomorrow. And the, the thing is, is that it was a situation where the door is would like wedge shut and then not open. So it, it, it was the best of this case of scenarios. You much rather have a door that cannot open than a door that can't stay shut. Right. Especially like back door, front door. Right. Yeah. So I had to call up, pull up a, get a handyman because I'm handy, but like, doors i i i'm not uh i i i am uh, no that's a that's a blue collar job you you work in video editing fixing a door is a blue collar job there's no shame in that i am very handy i'll let you say because i paid for a handyman look at it and he said well i managed to make sure that it didn't stick anymore but your knob is busted man uh so, so, so i went and had all that happen to be before 8 a.m but you said like i i do I, I only do like the fancy stuff. Like I don't get my hands dirty. I, I then went out and bought a doorknob and installed a new doorknob. So there you go. I, but it was one of those things I was like, I just really, really like, of course you're going to tell me this at this. Like that is the holiday I'm having this year. So who who's to say what will happen to me on my drive? Yeah. Mine's not much better uh, as, as uh, the Midwest and Chicago specifically prepares for what should be pretty terrible weather. Later this week, it uh, drastically threw a wrench in my holiday plans. I'm not super stoked about it. But nevertheless, we have two shows to talk about and one show to preview because we have hit the end of the year in Dragon Gate. And uh, it's it's been a very exciting time, in my opinion. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, So Dragon Gate's uh, 2022 will conclude on the 27th. This week is basically the last regular season Open the Voice Gate of the Year, in a way. But we've got two big shows to talk about, the final Corkin of the month, and for 2022, from the 16th, and then also, they went up to Sendai, and when they're up in Sendai, it's time for Gate of Origin, and we'll try to make sense of, of Gate of Origin, but first off case, uh, of the uh, Corkin Hall show that we had on the 16th, it was a, a headline by KZ and Shun Skywalker, you had a challenge match, and then you also, further down the card, a lot of just like interesting stuff happening right now in the promotion 1180 for attendance so they did two shows and 2400 seats so pretty strong month for dragon gate in tokyo what were your big takeaways from the show well i was going to talk about that attendance for a second so uh, the december 6th Corkin show with mochizuki versus yoshioka as the headliner that did 1206 and then like you said this show on december 16th 10 days later with the kz versus shun main event did 1180 so what's what's that a 26 fan difference or so i i found the number on the six that dreamgate show that was right in the ballpark of where i was expecting if they if they wouldn't have hit 1100 i would have been concerned if they would have hit 1300 i would have considered that to be a grand slam 1200 is right in the ballpark of where they should have been Obviously, we've seen, uh, with the exception of the the Kness retirement show this year, which did uh, a complete sellout, 1450, one of the biggest attendances in Cork and Hall of the year, we've seen gradual growth throughout Cork and Hall this year in Drangate. And 1180 is, uh, I, I believe, again, with the exception of that K uh, Kness show and with the exception of the Dreamgate show, uh, the most attended Drangate Cork and Hall show of the year. And you look at those last two matches, it's it's Benkei and it's Yo and it's Yoshioka and it's Skywalker, the guys of the class of 2016. It's Casey, who 
you know, obviously debuted 10 years before that, but you could make an argument wasn't a relevant wrestler in, in any sort of box office capacity until 2015. And then you have Minorita, who was class of 2021. I, I have a lot of positive things to say about Minorita, as I have for, had for months now on this episode. It, it is just a, another tip of the cap to Yuki Yoshioka, to this roster as a whole, but I really think Yoshioka, uh, they have steered the course in such an impressive way. They have righted the wrongs that were made earlier this year, earlier this summer. I, attendance has only gone up with Yoshioka. It has gone up in every market. It has gone up drastically in some cases. He, as the Dreamgate champion, has been a box office success. And, and by the time we talk next week, he might not be Dreamgate champion. We will see. I, I, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had there. But nevertheless, uh, a continued box office success in the COVID, post-COVID, mangled, depleted industry that it is, Dreamgate continues to chug along, not only in Tokyo, but in really all of their key markets. Yeah, and... I was anticipating for this second corking case, I was anticipating a pretty big slide because when you take away the last few years, the second corking of December has always been known as like the Doi Darts cork and it's always like the fan appreciation show, but they've already done that. And this was just on the backs, as you were saying, class of 2016 and the new generation at the forefront. And it, it, it was something that case actually I had a question I was going to ask you. If it wasn't for us like bringing it up, would you have gone through this? month without remembering that there should have been a doid arts mat oh you know i'm almost on the the flip side of it to where look if they if doi brought out the doid arts wheel i think that's awesome i'd be for it i'd celebrate it i'd be happy about it it's not needed in terms of storytelling or depth anymore i mean it really does feel like a product of a bygone era and you would you would probably know better than me i mean is the last time they did it 2019 yeah, it would have been 2019 because they definitely didn't do it in 2020. And the last year they didn't do it as well. I think it's 2019. So it, it's and, getting to. And even then, I, you know, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I also, we've never heard one way or another. It could just be a thing where they don't, they're either they don't want to or are not allowed to have kids come into the ring still. That That is, uh, That's I, I think a good we, point. We, we sometimes, yeah, we sometimes forget that, that. Again, the the COVID restrictions are just far more intense uh, there than they are anywhere else. Let me look at this. December 18th. Yeah, okay. December 18th, 2019 was the last uh, Doi darts to our knowledge. That was the Ben K versus Strong Machine J 20-minute time limit draw disaster. And then the Doi darts match for that year was Ata, Kota Minora, and KZ defeating Benkei, Hyo, and Kagatora, Gamma, Genki, Horiguchi, and Yamato, and Don Fuji, Konamami, Chikawa, and Yosuke, Santa Maria. I forgot they did a four-way for that last one. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, and that's and probably... I think, I think Lenny Leonard's on commentary for that show. Uh, you know, that that really puts us in a place in time, you know? Uh, because that was, that was the one tour that was Lenny, Larry, and Jay... Because they were all at Final Gate together, and it's crazy. I mean, that's the that's the last time that there was that three man booth. And I really remember thinking during Final Gate and during Doi versus Ben K specifically, like, wow, Dragon Gate has like a an elite tier commentary booth because 
Lenny is still arguably the best play-by-play man in wrestling. Larry Dallas, for all of his faults, and there are many, is, I, I think, a very strong color commentator. And, and Jay was playing the role of that Mike Tanay of just spinning out hard facts and information throughout that entire show. And it really seemed like that was something in 2020 that was going to take shape and become a prominent feature of this promotion. And then, you know, obviously, Larry came back in early 2020, and then Larry Dallas was stuck in the dojo for the first three months of COVID. I don't think he got home until June or July of 2020, <laughs> um, which is, uh, I, I don't trust Larry Dallas enough to show up for a podcast appearance, but if we could ever book him, that would be what I'd like to talk to him about. <laughs> just just, just uh, Superstorm Standy and dealing with COVID. Yeah, the, the, yeah. His, the relationships he formed during Superstorm Sandy, you're exactly right. And then the relationships that he strengthened during his time in the COVID-ridden Drangate Dojo in 2020. Yeah, no, like that that would be fascinating. But it, it just like overall, like watching this show, it just like I know it's become a trend for us. This was a cork and I actually thought it was more on the higher end work rate wise in comparison to most of the ones from 2022. But I just it was just something that was so remarkable to me that like I took a step back during the main event. I was like, no doy darts. This feels fine. And that was something I really wanted to ask you about. So uh, any other huge uh, takeaways? I, I was, yeah, a big picture. You know, I think I'm lower on this Cork and Hall show than most people. And I think I'm higher on Gate of Origin than most people. Now, I don't know if anybody cares, but if they do, I, I apologize. As of the time you're listening to this, there is not a Gate of Origin written review up on, on VoicesOfWrestling.com. I'm working on it. To go back to 10 minutes ago, talking about the hellacious holiday schedule that both Mike and I have put ourselves into, it's almost done. I literally have just not had the chance to sit down and write about the last two matches. It's coming. It'll be there at some point. Apologies for the delay, if that is something people care about. But I have full thoughts that I will gladly give on this podcast. I mean, you need to have an emotional break after Ninja Mac won that match. So We'll be talking about it. Yeah, we will be talking about that in a bit. Uh, leading off the show in Cork, and uh, this will be up on the network until the 23rd, uh, you had a eight-man tag, the entire M3K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Azushi Kanda, Mochizuki Jr. versus Don Fuji and the kids. It's almost like, a, with all the talk about Yoshio Yoshioka, it's almost like we're getting a revival of Fujihei over here as Don Fuji teamed with Ryu Fuda, Kaito Nagano, and Yoshiki Kato. It was Yazushi Kondo winning with the Geku Judo elbow drop on Ryu Fuda. I, I think this was a winning combination. I, I thought this was a lot of fun. I think anything with Mochizuki Jr. right now, the, the situations that they're putting him in are either against his peers in Nagano and Kato, or it's against Ishin and Strong Machine J, his generational rivals in terms of being second-generation wrestlers. And I, I think both of those dynamics have been super interesting to explore. This was a hot opener. I mean, this was kind of everything that you would hope for. I think from the, the guys that mattered, you know, Mochizuki, Juju, uh, Mochizuki Jr., Nagano, Fuda, and Kato, I felt their presence in this match. I thought they all looked very good. I mean, I, I have extended thoughts on Fuda later, but this was a strong opener. This is kind of what you want from a veterans versus rookies uh, combination hodgepodge, eh, man? Yeah, no. And I mean, like, the core of the match was going to be Mochizuki Jr. versus his classmates. So, like, that was the focus of the match, other than Don Fuji losing his mind. Don really hates his best friend, it's a kid. They, like, that, that, that is going to be a fun thing to explore. Like, they, they really ought to go deep on that whenever whenever junior that they he's done with all the rookie stuff they need to have a don fuji feud with 
Mochizuki Jr. But yeah, this was this was a blast. It was it did exactly what I needed to do in the opener. It was one of the more hot openers, I feel like, in the recent month. Well, it's it's that that Nagano charm. I mean, he was in the opener on the, the December 6th show and it was outstanding. And it was kind of one of those deals where I think if more eyeballs were on that show, if more people paid attention, they'd that he 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 deserves a bigger name than he has, which is crazy to say for a guy who's been wrestling professionally for four months now, but they've they found gold in him. I mean, it's it's stupid to say given again the 13 trainees that have debuted since the start of the pandemic and there's a uh, if you follow Open Voicegate on on Twitter, there's a 14th kid coming, a, a new rookie that is working exhibition matches on house shows now. It's it's absurd, but you know, in the same way that SB Kento connected, and now it looks like Kakuta's connecting, and obviously Fujiwara connected, and Mochizuki Junior connected. I, you you've got to start throwing Nagano on that list. I mean, at least in our bubble, which is you know the 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 people that speak our language that follow us on Twitter that are in the Voices of Wrestling Discord. The primary talk, I don't want to say the primary, but a consistent theme coming out of these Cork and Hall shows over the last few months is, did you see what Nagano did? Did you see that spot? Did you see what he did this time? I mean, that's remarkable for somebody uh, of anybody to have it for a few months stretch like this, but especially for somebody of his experience level. Yeah, and especially since it's such a different way than what Takuma Fujiwara we were experiencing earlier this year. It's just it, it's cool to see like everyone go like, oh, Space World, that's insane. Like each time. And, you know, that's something that like, Nagano only has to do a couple things to get the crowd on his side every time, and it's something that I was worried that it, that he was not going to have that connection because with his size, it, it was going to be paramount. But boy, given that he is three months in and how crisp he is, you, you would think maybe not as much as Takuma Fujiwara, but this is a guy who has been thinking about wrestling almost all of his life, you could tell. Yeah, not on the level of Fujiwara at least yet, but somebody who is obviously... Given when he debuted, uh, I at least I'm going to count him as a rookie in 2023, and he is the clear front runner. And it, it is going to take some effort by the rest of the wrestling world to pass him by for rookie of the year 2023, which is absurd to talk about already. But he's just been that good, and he came into the fold in late August, and so I'm going to vote for him next year. It, he's he's very very impressive. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see him progress throughout the remainder of his rookie year. Match two was a special singles match. It was Kota Minora versus Kota Maui Ichikawa. Kota Minora won with the Bombero elbow smash. But Case, what do you feel about the Golden Carnation Kota Maui Ichikawa? Phenomenal. I, you know, Alan Forrell made the point in the Voices of Wrestling Discord for the struggles that Kota Minora has gone through this year. The perfect thing to do was to book him in a personality-driven match against Ichikawa. And, and this was exactly it. I mean, everybody from myself to Jay to Mochizuki Jr. on English commentary absolutely lost their minds for this match. This was a ton of fun. It, it goes to show the magic of Ichikawa. And I really liked what Jay had to say at the end of the match, which, you know, given the views that Jay shared the last time he was on the show about Minor and how he, you know, he's been a, a pretty harsh critic of him, he, he made the point of, you know, if you can't have a match with Konamami Chikawa, you can't wrestle in Dragon Gate. And in my opinion, Minora passed the test. Oh, absolutely. Like the match was three minutes. The overall segment was 10. But I mean, it just had me cracking up. And it was good to see Minora able to play along with that much of uh, that much. I mean, because you have to get to a certain wavelength to do a soccer Chikawa match, I would say. Um, match three was Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kame of Natural Vibes, along with Ho Ho Loon 
not the Kobe Kung Fu Masters, versus Ultimo Dragon, Eita, and Kenichiro Rai, JFK got the pin with a Jackie knife when Arakan was arguing with Yagi. Obviously, the positioning here, the names involved, it leads us to the the touch football match of the night that we often talk about so often, that two and three quarter star Ultimo Dragon match that I've gotten so accustomed to writing about. This was a hair better than the average, you know, dad's type six man tag on these shows, though. I, I thought the stuff with Arkin and the Vibes guys and then Ata and Ultimo together, I thought those two combinations were a lot of fun in this match. Yeah, they provided a little bit of spice that was kind of needed. And, you know, Kenichiro Rai, you know, he was popping up like every month for a while, but it feels like more and more that his appearances are becoming less and less. So it was nice to see how well he could work out with the Vibes guys, and hopefully that means that we can get my main man back around more often. Let me see real quick. I'm curious now how many Dragon Gate matches he's worked this year. Tenru Project is, uh, at this point, his home promotion, but he worked... So as you worked one of the two January Corkin shows, you worked the Mar- March Corkin show, the two Aprils, the May, the June, the two Junes, the July. So he's he's in Corkin every month, and then he did Kobe World and then Dangerous Gate, which is a Tokyo-based uh, Tokyo uh, pay-per-view. So yeah, d- delighted that he's, uh, w- whenever he shows up, I'm delighted to see him. I don't know if we're going to use the light to describe this next match, but it was Yamato versus Punch Sumanaga. Punch Sumanaga wearing Shingo Takagi's Dragon Gate singlet for Zerk Edition, for those who are interested. Yamato just choked him out in four minutes. I, I was delighted by this. Oh, I, it was I funny. absolutely died at Punch coming out of the singlet and Don Fuji rooting him on from the Japanese commentary table in the balcony. Yeah, no, it, it, this was something where they, they they tried to make sure that they could have Don Fuji in frame as much as possible. But Gaura, you need to get TriCaster. We need to get picture in picture on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. I, I love the way it was set up with Punch feeling, you know, he he wrestled what he wrestled Kakuta last week and then he wrestled uh, Yamato on this show because he, he wants to be involved in the Shingo match and he's not. And it's it's been great fun. They, they've done a. A good job of adding some depth to the Shingo match without Shingo being around. Yeah, that part of that has been nice because Dragon Gate's the one fan base. So like, oh yeah, no, of course, Punch Tomonaga is mad at the, that the guy who beat him up for a decade is not having him in his match. Like, of course that happens here. And n- notable Punch got pants afterwards. Uh, yeah, uh, probably best for everyone that that we're getting these two singles matches and we're not getting the third of Hulk. Oh, God, no, that, that'd be bad. That'd be very, uh, very bad. <laughs> I just, like, ugh, no. That, that, well, as soon as I thought about, like, okay, he's done Kakuda, he's done uh, he's done Yamato, I was like, oh, God, he's not going to face Hulk. Thank God there's no TV until then. Th- those are just two guys. It's a little bit like when the Jaguars play the Packers in the NFL, and you're like, why are these two teams shouldn't play one another? Like, what's going on here? Punch versus Hulk is one of those singles matches that just wouldn't look right in actuality. Oh God! It, and it's like, and it's one of the ones that does not look good in actuality and ends up with someone being concussed. Punch is being concussed. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, not, not not Hulk, but yes. No. no, match five was a six man tag. Uh, yes, this was a six man tag. I was looking at it in my notebook, but this was Natural Vibes versus High End and Friends, as it was Big Boss Shimizu, UT, and Strong Machine J versus. Dragon Kid, Takashi Yoshida, and Problem Dragon. This was previewing the Twin Gate match at Gate of Origin. It was Yoshida getting UT with a Pineapple Bomber in 10 minutes and 29 seconds. 
Takashi Oshida is kind of the ultimate territory wrestler. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm assuming you're like me in the sense that, you know, if you sit down and watch Mid-South or Crockett or we, I would say pre-Y2K wrestling, you're likely geared towards not looking for spreadsheet matches for great matches, but rather for, for pure entertainment value. And I've hit this immense conundrum with Yoshida over the last year where do I think he's capable of being truly great in matches? More often than times, the answer is no. Am I wildly entertained by him as an underdog babyface doing whatever he can for the approval of Yamato and Dragon Kid? I absolutely am in the same way that I was wildly entertained by him seeking Naruki Doi's approval last year. There is such immense charm to this guy and the role that he has been put in. And even if this match wasn't great by any means, one, I, I really enjoy the chemistry that he has with Shimizu right now. I thought he and UT were a lot of fun in this match, too. And I just had a good time watching this. Yeah, that that's the thing about High End and Friends right now. Yoshida gives it just enough right now that I'm not just immediately when they're on screen, I have the countdown clock until their disbands match. It is something that it provides life. It, it, it has rejuvenated a dead unit. Yeah. It's not too much of Yoshida. And, and again, at no point do I want him busting out some gold and silver tights and becoming a full fledged member. I think what they're doing now is perfect because it's interesting. It could be bad, it's never going to be great, and we found this sweet spot of interesting, and I really like where it sits right now. Yeah, and especially coming out of Gate of Origin, too, I feel like that there is a lot of directions that they can go to with that. Uh, match six was an eight-man tag. Uh, Naruki Doi, Shuji Kondo, uh, Dragon Daya, Madoka Kakuda versus Zebrats, Kai, BB, Hulk, Diamante, and Ishin. Kondo pinned... Uh, Kai with a King Kong Lariat in the post-match. There was a Triangle Gate challenge. It was Doi and Kondo. Well, Kondo already went to the back. Doi was like, I want to get another tri another trio's belt. And he announced that him and Kondo and Awashi, so the T2P team, will be challenging the Zebras champion team at, at Final Gate. What's your preferred wrestling media narrative here? Is it that Naruki Doi is forcing Dragon Gate's hand because he's on the outs with the promotion? Is it Shuji Kondo's push is upsetting the youngsters in the back, or is it Toro Washi is booked and therefore this show is bad? I, I, I the Kondo one is intriguing. I'm go Kondo. I mean, that was the most upset I got at any of Dave's reporting this year. Was oh, there was a last second change with Shuji Kondo going far in the tournament. It's like, well, he pinned Kai. They very clearly set up like a Kai match and. In the opening round, and then the the title match drew a really nice number to Cork and Hall. I I don't think your reporting lines up here, Dave. But ne nevertheless, we're past it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's cool that a T two P team is going to wrestle for the Triangle Gate Championship. I, I get the feeling that might be lost on some people, and they're going to complain about it for whatever reason. I think that's an exciting match, Doi. And I wrote this in my review at VoiceWrestling.com. Boy, Doi is just doesn't he look rejuvenated? Yeah, I think it's something that, you know, how much you want to buy into the whole, uh, I only have so many more matches ahead of me, I want to go full blast with it. He did, I mean, taking off that two-month period before coming back to Gate of Destiny and then basically going insane with DDT and Dragon Gate dates, it, he's making the most of it. I don't know, the way he's looking now puts a little doubt in the uh, retirements and pending thing right now.
I gotta say, I've got a, a, a 2005 Dragon Gate show on my TV right now, and I just I'm watching Doi versus Dragon Kid, and Dragon Kid just did a tilt war head scissor off the apron that sent Doi to the floor, and I'm stunned. Just talking about Doi being rejuvenated, and then watching that spot 15 seconds later, I can't believe this man moves around as well as he does. Yeah, and I love this eight man tag case. It's awesome. This I was. Uh four flat on this it was just a nice number where you had eight guys in there but you did a lot with the eight guys in nine minutes you had the triangle gate stuff of course you had uh dia and diamante you had kakuda really showing up here so they accomplished a lot in this so i adore this and it and it was something also that you had ho-ho on commentary just like being completely enthralled by hip-hop kakuda's ass uh, not Hip Hop Kakuda, Madoka Kakuda. That's what he used to be. Because, boy, uh, Kakuda, ever since that match got made, he's laying it in now. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I there's there, there's a certain fire that Kakuda, he's really carried himself with since August. But now, I think being 10 days away, and at this point, you know, five days away as we're recording from, the biggest match of his career up to this point, he's feeling it. And... I even if the promo segment with Shingo did not go the way that you and I would have drawn it up in the ring. Has there been a safer bet for great matches since August in Kakuta? No, and it's something that he is such a unique like physical presence that it's almost like a leg up and finding ways to get me interested in it because he's naturally bigger than everyone else. So it's like an easy thing to build it off of. But he has ever since like first assisting and then joining D Courage it has provided a lot to him, but it does not completely uh, wash over what happened earlier this month. I saw a finalized list of the Fighting Spirit Magazine 50. I don't know when that is going to be published. When it is, I would like to talk about it and the placement of some of the Dragon Gate guys on the show and then kind of compare the big list with my personal top 50. And I will just say now, Kakuta, simply based off the work he did from August through the 1st of December, made it into my top 50 wrestlers of the year. I, I really just thought he was next level good in quarter three and quarter four of this year. And I, I also think it's worth talking about Shuji Kondo for a second, because I mean, think about even on this show for years, you know, you and I and in DMS and Slack messages for years and years and years going, God, wouldn't it be great if Kondo would come back to Drangate? Doesn't it just feel like there's there's unfinished business there, that he can do so much with this current roster, let alone you know the enemies that he still might have from Torimon and Drangate? And we saw him come in in the summer of 2020, and I thought he was a ton of fun as as a muscle in the Torimon generation. And then he partially tore his Achilles last year, and he went away and you know, I, I think you and I both kind of thought, well, there, you know, there's the end of Kondo as you know, anything worthwhile. It's just hard for a man of his size and his age to get back to a point where he can be somebody truly dominant. But every time he's given an opportunity to be in a big match, Kondo can still deliver. I mean, you think about what he did last year at, at Kobe World, that Triangle Gate match that was Masquerade of uh, Dragon Dia, Jason Lee, and La Estrella versus Kondo, Owashi, and Brother Yashi. He was excellent there. He's been excellent here. So often now he's put in those meaningless, you know, Ultimo tags, those six or eight man tags on the undercard, but he can still go. And I think that's really, really impressive. And when they give him the spotlight, he takes the ball and he runs with it. 
Yeah, it's just one of those things that I think we both had our image of Kondo is X before Satoshi Kojima was X and then like him and <laughs> yeah. King and Gate I was going to like, oh, Kondo is back. Imagine now Monster Hero Kondo. We had that so much like in our head and that's not what reality was. So I, I enjoy the fact whenever Kondo gets these highlights where he gets to go and just be incredibly mean to people. Like that but is do, one I, do you look at his his two years in Dragon Gate, which you know it's been two and a half, let's say two with the injury? Do you look at yeah. that as a disappointment? I emotionally a disappointment. Okay, I I think emotionally because I really wanted to like see like Kondo never got that run in Torimon, and he wouldn't get it in Dragon Gate, and yeah all japan and wrestle one he whole he held titles and he was a fixture and all it did training and all of that but i wanted to see the condo run and it's just clear that that's not in the cards because this is if shuji Kondo came back in 2016 we will be talking about we would be talking about his dream gate run right now but in 2020 different promotion they're on to the next generation Kondo is a lot of fun when he shows up and he He's even more fun when they give him something to buy to like sink his teeth into. And I think that that triangle gate match at final gate will be like the perfect showcase of that. I mean, he's going to like ragdoll Ishan around for 15 minutes. Okay. Two, two points off that. Cause I, I think you bring up an interesting point of you're right. If this was 2016, he would probably be in the mix with, you know, Shingo and Yokosuka and Yamato and all of those guys. But I, I this is this is me, and I, I I hope this doesn't come across as as grandstanding or or being too much of a fanboy by any means. But I like that we cover a promotion in which Shuji Kondo, a man of his age, which I I'm gonna quickly look up how Kondo is because how old Kondo is because I really have no idea. Can I he, I, I, I can I guess forty two. He's 44. He came into the promotion when he was 42, or returned to the promotion, rather, when he was 42. So you're very, very close. My bad it, luck from this weekend continues. <laughs> but isn't it great that we don't, like, this promotion's not rallying around Shuji Kondo to revitalize them? It, I just, I like that he's, like, a fun side piece, but is not anything crucial to the day-to-day operations of this of this promotion. Like, I personally get yeah. to that. I do think two things. One, had he just had a clean finish with Kai in July, I think it would totally alter our perspective of his entire run because that match was so good up until the Menorah bullshit. I mean, I, I don't know where you were. I loved Kai versus Kondo until the finish. It was no book until the finish for me. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, the other thing that I want to bring up, if, you, if you've never looked at it, if you're a newer Dragon Gate fan, and you want to know why Shuji Kondo left the promotion when he did, take a look at the booking patterns of 2004 Torimon. Take a look at the booking patterns of 2004 Drangate. There is a definitive shift in the way that Kondo and all of his friends were featured once Ultimo left the promotion, and when they had an out, they took it. You know, sometimes Christmas parties happen. Allegedly. I don't know if, I don't know if that story is a shoot or not. I think that the, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some ruffled feathers. Okay, so allegedly, at least the story at the time in 2005 was Agani Su got fired for dereliction of duty and misbehavior at a gay or a Christmas party. Like that I, was. I, I, do you have that? Do you have that written down? Because the fact that you pulled dereliction of duty, which triggered a memory that that was the exact phrase that was used, that is incredible that you would remember that. Case I can't ride a bicycle, but I remember these things. <laughs> I have no need to ride a bicycle. No need. 
Come on, we're in 2022. Uh, Look, I mean, the, the last the last Toriumon match is Shima versus Kondo for the UDG belt. And right. if, if you know, if Ultimo even leaves, let's say Ultimo leaves in October of 2004 instead of July of 2004, we probably get a glimpse of that, you know, quote unquote, Kondo run. And just with timing, it, it, it just never happened, at least within the context of the Dragon system. And it's a shame because, you know, this is this is a guy who if a few things go his way, we're talking about somebody who. He has a totally different career. He's been great, but has ultimately not mattered a ton in the context of 21st century Japanese professional wrestling. Ultimo doesn't leave, or the powers that be in Dragon Gate like him a little bit more, or maybe he just doesn't leave in 2004 and he's there in 2005 when the promotion really starts to find its feel. We're talking about a possibly, you know, a, a, a man changed, a man possessed, a box office mover in a way that he obviously never was. I've really enjoyed his time in the promotion, though, because like I said earlier, when he's given the chance to turn it on, he does, and I, and I, I think he still succeeds, and I'm really excited for that Triangle Gate match. Yeah, and not to belabor the Kondo point, if Dragon Gate went in 2020 and put the belt on Kondo, I, that's what the rest of Japanese wrestling is doing, trying to flail and find something that could... You, you know, looking for a ship in the in the night, you know, trying to like to just try treading water with that. But it's for the best that Kondo is not in that position because, you know, Kondo will be gone in five years. Yes. Like I don't it. And however, one would hope that Yuki Yoshioka would still be around in five years. So the, the decision makes sense in retrospect, but it's something that imagine us telling ourselves in July of 2020. All right, guys, sit down. Let's talk about Suji Kondo. What Suji Kondo you're going to be getting in Dragon Gate? Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's worked out quite nice. The semi-main event for Corkin was a Dreamgate and Bravegate champions versus Challengers tag team match. So we got a Mochizuki Dojo reunion as Yuki Yoshioka, the Dreamgate champion, teamed with Hyo, the Bravegate champion, versus Gold Classes Binke and Minarita. Look, everyone has their thoughts about Mochizuki Dojo. Obviously, Yuki Yoshioka and Misaki Mochizuki, not really big fans of everyone else in it. So, makes sense that Yuki Yoshioka, partway in the, towards the finish, would just cold clock Hyo, walk out, and then allow the spear by Benkei so that Minorita gets the win. You know, anybody that's listened to the show for a while knows one of one of the few things that I think Drangit routinely misses the mark on is the... Uh, for lack of a better term, the strange bedfellows or the can they coexist tag team matches where tag team partners don't get along. I always point to yeah. you know, at, the end, at the end of April when they're doing Road to Dead or Alive tag matches. I, for whatever reason, I just think those matches more often than not suck. This yeah. match. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, it, it's something that the Prehouse and Kareem Blaze just in Dragon Gate, weirdly enough, just never work out the way that at least how they do like in SimLL, you know? Yeah, completely. Uh, for whatever reason, this match I, I thought was laid out brilliantly. I, I mean, this hit every note that I would want it to hit. It made me more excited for the Brave Gate match. It made me more excited for the Dream Gate match. It, it intrigued me on the level of Yoshioka versus Hyo and those generational rivals. It, it intrigued me on God, Minorita is so fucking good at wrestling. I mean, it's it's crazy, and, I, and I'll make this point when we talk about Fuda in a little bit. Any one of these youngsters, you know, the, these class of 2021 and beyond guys, any one of them 
could waltz into any other Japanese promotion, I think New Japan included, and people would go, oh, that's a guy. Oh, that's going to be somebody. Oh, who is this kid? When can we start pushing him? But they have, realistically, eight or nine of those guys in Dragon Gate right now. And Minorita has fallen victim to simply being a peer of Takuma Fujiwara. And so all of the good press that he should have gotten and deserves, quite frankly, has gone elsewhere this year. But it's it's been talked about in the Discord a little bit. I want to be sure I mention it here. The dueling torture rack spot was just a chef's kiss moment of pro wrestling. It's just something that... Case, you're bringing up, and I wanted to jump in there, but I didn't want to jump in and cut off your point because you're making a great point there. It's not just like New Japan. Other promotions get the dojo cast-offs and build their promotions around. It's happening at DDT right now. That, that is DDT. Yeah. So it, it is on this, but this match brilliantly laid out. Like, as you were saying, Hyo just being like, oh, Yoshioka, uh, you do all the work here. I'm not interested in doing this. And just being like an absolute scavenger prick until the, the babyface ace goes, nope, I I know that we're classmates, but screw you, was tremendous. Minorita just gets his ass kicked for 15 minutes, and it's beautiful. It is, I'm wondering if there's anyone who's as, as compelling as a classic babyface as Minorita. My answer to that would be Dragon Die, but Minorita is not far behind. I, I I would say that like Minorita because of the size, you know, maybe a little bit more so. He he's just a little guy. Well, you know, I was rereading my my Gate of Origin 2021 review as I was typing up my Gate of Origin 2022 review because obviously I wanted to go back and read what I read about Fuda and read what I read about Fujiwara and then you know if you remember Minorita when he was going by Takumi Hayakawa, he was kind of an emergency debuted uh kaisuke akuda had to pull off of a fukuoka doubleheader they put hayakawa in his place and so he debuted a little bit before gate of origin but he wrestled bb hulk on that show and if you remember the the first few months of his career he was wrestling these big singles matches and just getting his ass kicked in a minute or two and we all thought it was super entertaining but we weren't really sure how that was going to progress you know you and i really really harped on the fact of like God, this guy's so small, and he's he's like five one. He's like it's he's smaller than Ray Junior. And you and I really harp on this idea of like he's good, he's talented, he does all these things. But what are we gonna do about his size? You know, that is a hurdle that we just don't know if he's gonna be able to clear. Mike, I don't know about you, I never think about his size anymore. He has found a way to carve out a style for him. That is so incredibly impressive. I mean, there are guys that will wrestle their entire careers and will never be able to find that thing that makes them stick out from everybody else. And Minorita has taken what should be a giant handicap and has turned into such a massive positive to where, again, I'm I'm not worried about, oh, God, he's so small. What's he going to do? He, As he's shown this year, he can be in the ring with Dreamgate champions, Twingate champions, whoever it is, and it's not goofy to watch them wrestle. I mean, scrap or die, indeed. You know, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's something that he has found a way. He's found a path in the prom- and really the one promotion in the world that would look at someone at. And I'm going to get his exact height because I want to be I, I want to be correct and thorough about this. But it, it, it's the only promotion I would argue in the world that would take someone of his size and shape and be like, OK, you're not a mascot. Yes, he is a mascot character, but that is at this point completely beside the point he is 156 centimeters so case and 
feet and inches. He is, I believe, five foot one. He is technically five foot two. He's five foot two. Can you think of a promotion that would be doing this strong of a push? And it's something that it's not like he's getting like the Goldberg push. Like it makes no sense for that. But have you seen this someone that they've given this five foot one and a half inch guy and they've just gone full bore behind him? It has been really cool to see. Look, he very easily could have been Drangate's answer to Marco's stunt and his size could have been used against him and he could have played up the most annoying tropes possible. And, you know, I could have had matches with sex toys that get him kicked off of national TV and rightfully so whatever it is, he, he could have, that, that could have been his future. And he has excelled so far past that. It is so impressive to watch again. He's, he's simultaneously coming in at the best and worst time to be a Drangate rookie because there's so much talent here and he's, attached himself to menorah and then has kind of excelled past that to where he is going to be a guy that we have to pay attention to for for you know the next decade but he's doing it alongside fujiwara and mochizuki jr and you know who knows what happens when nishikawa comes back and there's you know there's kato and it's just it's mind-blowing it is such a fun thing to see uh, the main event for this Cork and Hall farewell for 2022 is a singles match. It was set up earlier this month, KZ versus Shun Skywalker. So I'll walk us through this finish. KZ wins, but this comes with a super CDJ after there is a misfire by BB Hulk with a chair shot. Mr. Nakagawa was massively taken out, and you had the Zebrats interference the way that they've done basically for most Zebrats singles matches, but it goes awry, and KZ wins and we're starting to get a little bit of dissension in Z-Brats. I talked about this in my review. I went uh, on the last three KZ versus Skywalker singles matches. I went four and a half stars, four and three quarter stars, and four and three quarter stars. This, of course, was a massive disappointment at four and a quarter stars. But I mean, in all seriousness, just a, a, a match that felt epic and a match that felt like it was, it, it felt fitting of the spot of being the last match in Cork and Hall this year. It, th- there was a certain level of exhaustion in the pacing of this match and just the epicness of it that seemed like it was carrying 12 months of weight behind it. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I was so impressed by how big this match felt. Yeah, and it felt this big, but it still left gas in the tank for the big match. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. I mean, again, this is this vibe Zebrat stuff. It's it's I made this argument about a month ago. Like I, I kind of wish Drangate would follow a more traditional booking pattern with this feud specifically, because the chemistry between these two units is so good. Like as good as like some of the Zebrats versus gold or uh, Zebrats versus high end stuff was. I don't I don't care. I don't I don't want that. Just Zebrats in natural vibes just wrestle each other on every show for the next six months i'm not going to get sick of it and you know we'll see what happens you know you obviously now have this uh issue between bb hulk and shoot skywalker that's going to be escalated on the first two cork and hall shows of the year you have shoot skywalker still wanting to eliminate natural vibes from existence you have shoot skywalker wanting to eliminate high end from existence and i'm right there behind him there is so much stuff wrapped up in just the existence of shoot skywalker right now it, it is a compliment to him. You know, my point this entire year has been, he's the best wrestler in the world, not named Will Ospreay. And from a, a storyline perspective, from the angles that are attached to him, there are just not many more interesting wrestlers on earth right now. 
And it's something that it allows someone who is such a natural baby face like KZ just to play in the space, right? Like it, 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 when you have someone as strong as shooting Skywalker, who's doing just incredible stuff across the board, you're almost, you kind of have to intentionally mess it up at this point. Like that's the kind of stretch we're talking about shooting Skywalker starting from November, 2020 at this point. I believe I talked about this a few weeks ago, but you know, obviously, I'm I'm doing some year end stuff, and I'm I'm making notes of, you know, who how, how good certain wrestlers were this year, and the thing that continues to catch me off guard is the fact that I, after this weekend of shows, have 17 KZ matches at four stars or higher this year, and it's a little like. You know, MVPs and wrestlers of the of the year are narrative based, and that really annoys some people. But I, I I think that's the way it should be. Sometimes the story is that it is a guy's year, and maybe there are two or three better players in the league, but it's not their year. This is one of those deals where, I you know I have more KZ matches at four stars or higher than any other wrestler in the world this year. But this did not feel like KZ's year. I actually made the argument at one point that Natural Vibes as a unit was so good that KZ had somehow become the least interesting guy on the unit. And yet here he is with multiple high-level singles matches, the best trios match I saw this year, a great twin gate match that we'll talk about in just a minute, and plenty of multi-man matches throughout the year that I thought were just brilliant. It, it, it's bizarre how that worked out. It's just wild. It, it's it's something where, like, Case, you know what my favorite thing to say is? You can't tell the story of X without Y, and the MVP award is that. You know, yeah. I, I mean, do you look at KZ? If you think about the wrestlers you've enjoyed most this year, is KZ a guy that comes to mind? Like that's the the shame. Like I like think about wrestlers that I've like truly like have like stepped stepped up front for me, or like as remains top of my mind. And KZ is not there, but he's putting on just like humans work this year. No, and, uh, you know, you, you think about Dai and Yoshioka and Diamante and Fujiwara and Shun, and you know. I think oranges go to, you know, Ishin and, and Kamei as well. And all those guys have been awesome. But statistically, Casey has been every bit as good, if not a little bit better. It's really something. And it's something that, you know, with, with how they set up this year with Casey, it's I I don't know if 2023 is Casey time, but it does seem like that this was the reset year that it was needed to be before you go for that, especially with how his 2021 went. You know, I, I, uh, where, where's, oh, I just, I just, I just lost the entire point I was trying to make. Oh, I, what I was going to say was, I, I'm a little bit concerned about how few eyeballs might be watching Dragon Gate when they do a top rope Canadian destroyer onto a pile of chairs and it doesn't get snitch tagged to Jim Cornette and, and people of that ilk. Do we think that KZ knows who Jim Cornette is? I hope not. He, yeah, he does not need that in his life. No, no one does, but that was Corkin. You, you know, oh, you know what I'm looking at real quick? Sorry, we'll, we'll wrap up Corkin here real quick. I think we went longer on that than, than we thought we were going to. One singles match between KZ and Yuki Yoshioka, and that was on a Drangate next show. Almost, uh, it was almost six years ago to the day. It was the next show right before Final Gate 2016. One singles match, and really not a lot of interaction between them, period. Obviously, Yoshioka is going through former Dreamgate champions right now, but as we talked about last week, he's running out of Dreamgate champions to wrestle. I mean, it's down to Ben K, who has got a final gate, Shun, 
and BB Hulk, which I don't think they're going to go down that road, is going to have to get some fresh blood, and KZ has to be at the top of the list of challengers. No, absolutely so. I, I, I do have to note that you left out Don Fuji, but for good reason. It was Don, Don Fuji and Ryo Saito, and then like, you know, Susumu Mochizuki, but we kind of talked about the, the yeah. realistic names that are left are Shun and maybe Hulk. Right. No, you're absolutely right about that. Support for Open the Voice Gate this week comes to you comes to us from HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Case, that's why it's America's number one meal kit. And, you know, it's something that we're in the season right now. We, we've talked about how we're, we're trying to get through Christmas and we're trying to clear Christmas here on the program. But the great thing about HelloFresh is, is you're able to eat better amongst all the holiday temptations i know when i'm going down to the uh, compound i know i'm gonna be eating like an absolute dirt case so i'm happy for hello fresh because their meals have 20 percent fewer calories than takeout so you still have full flavor and without the guilt look mike some of us might be trying to finish this podcast before their dinner partner comes over so we can make chili ginger pork noodles that is what is on the menu tonight from I our was friends looking at that at, oh I my was... god uh, look, I, I got a box of it sitting next to me. That is what's on the menu tonight uh, from our friends at HelloFresh. Pork meatloaf parm, saucy pork burrito bowls, barbecue cheddar burgers. These are all things that I enjoy, that fill me up, and that aren't completely processed nonsense. These are healthier meals that somebody like me who needs all the help I can get needs. Uh, the the uh, my, my girlfriend is desperately concerned about the amount of high fructose corn syrup I consume and the lack of water that I drink. HelloFresh does not solve either of those issues, but it is nice for me to have healthier options when we are together. Absolutely. And if this all sounds great, this is what you need to do. You go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW18 and use code VOW18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash VOW18 and code VOW18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh america's number one meal kit and case as we move to sendai for gate of origin we know that you, you you're still writing up the review for those who are looking for it it's coming soon it's the holidays just i'm, I'm gonna get to it before the show expires from dragon gate network yep but give me a minute yeah 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 we're not just trying to get to christmas here on the program we're trying to we're trying to clear christmas here but gate of origin you know sendai it's always a weird show case but what were your big takeaways from it i really like this show i i thought the stuff that wasn't great was quick and painless there's one match that we'll kind of talk about at length but i went notebook on the last two matches i i mean i i just i thoroughly enjoyed the, everything that the show offered with the exception of really one finish yeah it, it's something that i i was not two notebook matches but ksi was one notebook two three and three quarter stars and then a three and a half star and a three star and then the touch football match so it, it was a value it, it was a solid show it's just one of those things that gate of origin will always feel weird to me until they like cement it somehow and it did not come close to that this year you know I guess at this point, it's kind of the Yamato title match show. I mean, that just that seems like the direction that it's headed is, whether it's, you know, twin triangle or a, a Dreamgate match. This seems like the show that Yamato is going to get a giant match. And I, I'm kind of comfortable with that becoming Gate of Origins vibe because the last three years he's he's been in a main event title match. 
Yeah, and it's something, of course, we've talked at length about this on the program, that Yamato, he is not from Miyagi, he is not from Sendai, but he's from Awate, which is a part of the overall Tohoku region. So this is very much feels like his hometown show in the same way that uh, Dead or Alive is Dragon Kids or SB Kentos or virtually half the roster around Nagoya. And I think the other thing is that given that it's that it's in Awate, it, it or near is it in Awate or near Awate? It is in Miyagi, but okay. it is near Awate. Like I okay, think Awate just, might I, be like the next prefecture over. My 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 Japanese geography is not the strongest, but uh Takuma Fujiwara is from Iwate as well. We kind of talked about the importance of him last year. This is a, this is a thing that we really harped on during our Gate of Origin review is that Drangate is developing these youngsters from Northeast Japan which has been starved for wrestling and has, you know, become uh, almost wrestling extinct really. And I was thinking earlier this week about how big of a star Takuma Fujiwara would be if he was born in Tokyo and not bumfuck Japan somewhere, but as Yamato's importance continues to subside over the years, it, for now it's the Yamato show. In the future, it could be one of many Takuma Fujiwara highlight reel shows. And it was also technically Ryu Fuda's homecoming show. That's right. As we get into the opener, speaking can we talk, of Ryu, can we, Sorry, can we talk about the attendance real quick? Because I think it's interesting. Yeah, so attendance was 888 or 882. Yeah, 882 this year with the headlining match being Shimizu and KZ versus Yoshida and Yamato last year and i don't remember what the attendance restrictions were this could be one of those things where even though there were less people in the building they sold a higher percentage of tickets but 787 last year for yamato versus ben k in the main event yeah i have to look at that as like a big dub for that happening and when you look at like sendai and the sendai sun plaza you're basically talking about four or five promotions that run there on a consistent basis it's dragon gate it's noah it's new japan and then it, of course, is Sendai Girls. And then you'll get a stardom as well at the Sun Plaza. Interestingly enough, Michinoku Pro does not has not run the Sendai Sun Plaza since 2018. So we kind of did this with the Nagoya market last week, where I, I kind of went through the building and went show-by-show show attendance here. Let me do that with the Sun Plaza real quick. Just with what Cage Match has listed, there's been... It looks like two Noah shows, two New Japan shows, and then this Drangate show this year. Noah ran here January 16th. They did 633 for Nakajima versus Kitamiya in the main event. And then they ran here in August for an N1 victory show. They did 505 for Kano versus Shiozaki in the main event. New Japan Best of the Super Juniors, they ran here May 18th. They did 936 for a show headlined by Hiromu versus the good Italian boy Francesco and Kira. And then... I did a double take when I saw this number. New Japan ran here four days before Gate of Origin for the Tag League show. They did 2,031 people for the World Tag League Finals with Goto and Yoshihashi versus Aussie Open. Uh, it was the Tag League Finals, but I was still astounded by how high that number was. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, must be a lot of fans of the despicable Dunkzilla up in Tohoku. Did you know, I'm looking at this cage match page now, did you know that, let me phrase it this way, do you know the name of the Alex Zane L. Lindemann tag team? Oh, Sauce Hearts. I did not know that until now. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, Alex Zane has, is living in his best reality, I just hope he realizes it. The, the best possible case scenario. Oh, absolutely. So, 
So yeah, no, it's something that of course, like New Japan's the outlier. Whenever I talk about general Japan business, like either here on Spears of Asians, I like always had to say they operate differently because of how much bigger they are than everyone else. And that's that right there when you're more than two and a half times the second highest attendance number recently in that building. Yeah, because the the narrative coming out of Gate of Origin last year was, you know, hey, Dragon Gate's got a pretty healthy business in in northeastern Japan, relatively speaking, and that can still be true when New Japan can still dwarf them in attendance in this region. Right, exactly. So getting onto the show itself, we opened up with Natural Vibes versus uh, hometown hero Ryufuda, Punch Tomonaga, and Problem Dragon. Uh, Ryufuda lost his both his homecoming and technically... It's not technically his anniversary, but spiritually his anniversary match as Jason Lee pinned him with a maximum driver in six minutes and 25 seconds. I understand the impulse to face palm and go, ugh, Riafuda, you know, what's what's going on here? I thought he was great in this match. And he was really spirited here. The the thing with him, he he is incredibly talented. Again, if this was an all Japan kid or a Noah kid. I think people would be losing their minds at the potential he has. It just like it's it's the point I made earlier. He's competing with Minorita and Fujiwara and Mochizuki Jr. and Nagano and all of these guys that have unfortunately just surpassed him in such a short amount of time. But I'm still bullish on the foot on the future of Fuda just for the simple fact that I, I think he has so much raw talent. Oh, yeah. No. And it's something that like ever since he came back from the broken sternum and he was like showing like, yeah, there's a lot of strikers now. But do your strikers use the ropes ever since then? That has been enough for me to have to have a definite interest in Fuda, whereas before I was just kind of like, oh, there's Fuda here. So and, and he's continued. It's just something that I feel like it's as you laid it out to be. This is a promotion where you have to be at your best or you're cast by the wayside. And it's something that it's it's a bummer seeing this happen in real time basically I, the, the last few months of his efforts you know really I, you know he was out with a broken sternum for so long and then he returned at world and then kind of went away again i i have been enthused by what i've seen of him over the last few months again i think there's a ton of talent there it's just finding that one thing that is going to make him relevant again, because right now he's an irrelevant wrestler. I mean, you look at you know the fact that he's been in the promotion for a year, Yoshiki Kato has been in the promotion for two weeks, and Kato is being protected more than Fuda, and that is a, a very damning sentiment, bizarre, quite frankly, in the world of Japanese wrestling. But that's where we're at. Fuda has to earn back that respect and just that relevance. I don't know how he's going to do that, but I still have stock of his, because there is so much talent there. Yeah, it's worth buying at the low for him. I feel like that if it's either in Dragon Gate or elsewhere, he's someone that's going to succeed. It's just circumstances, sadly. Well, and, uh, and, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Kaisuke Akuda being gone is such a benefit to Fuda as well. Because mm -hmm. now, instead of having to fight out of that shadow, it, that shadow's just been removed completely. So he can lean into some more kickboxer-like characteristics, and I, I think it's going to going to benefit him instead of hinder him now. Oh, no, absolutely. So uh, I, I think this is probably where we should talk about UT's injury. Yeah, that's a bummer, isn't it? So I noticed, like, I watched Gate of Origin after I proved to be the greatest handyman alive, but 
it was something that like early in the match you could tell UT was hurting a lot and he's been wrestling hurt for a while and it came out today that on a show in Chiba yes I think it was yesterday yeah it was yesterday yeah. that during a match uh, UT further injured his leg and was diagnosed with a torn MCL uh, I I kind of think it happened here and he tried to wrestle on it because they there was a weird edit at the end immediately right into soccer's entrance and he was not moving around great. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I kind of thought I was just not paying attention and then Stalker just all of, out of nowhere appeared, but there there was an edit point in the replay network feed. Yeah, it's... I, I don't know. Like, did you catch this live? No, I did not. Yeah, uh, if anyone caught this live and know, knew what happened there, I did not see anything And it when it happened, and I've not seen anything since there. It just was kind of notable because... We went straight into Stalker Chikawa versus Ata. Ata basically bum rushed him and then had Stalker run the ropes for four minutes. Stalker passed out. Ata won by uh, passing out, I guess is what you would call it. Referee's uh, decision. Uh, re- referee stoppage. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, referee stoppage. Yeah, that's true. What a fun match. Uh, I mean, just, you know, it, it's it's not going to make uh, Ata's greatest hits tape, but goddamn did I enjoy this. Just was a blast. It, it's always fun. And I think one of the magic, one of the things that's magical about Sakura Takawa is he does exist in one of his own, in his own like little universe, and he makes people play with him in his play space. And Ata had to play with him, and and I, I did not think of, I've never thought about the idea of someone gassing out, running the ropes, and passing out as a finish before. No, that's that's the amazing thing about Ishikawa's. We've seen him for almost 25 years now, and he's still coming up with new ways to entertain us. It's so great. It's so great. Uh, match three was the original M2K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Azushi Kanda versus Ultimo Dragon, Don Fuji, and special guest Gaina. And it was Ultimo Dragon penning Kanda with the Lob Midas Straw. Should I be annoyed that Ultimo pinned Kanda here, uh, an unaffiliated veterans team pinning him 3K? I mean, a little, but I mean, Kanda is there to take falls. Like, Kanda, like, if you look at M3K matches, it's always Kanda taking the fall if they lose and it's not a consequential match. I expected it'd be Ultimo over Kanda when this got announced. It, it didn't sit right with me for whatever reason, not in like a. I wasn't up in arms. Oh, goddamn! Ultimo Dragon ruining my Dragon Gate. But it was, I just I noticed it, and I huh? Okay, don't don't love that. Just on the sheer notion of it's M3K, and I I think they deserve a certain level of protection that they didn't get here. But I can live with it. I I thought this match was fine. Mochi Fuji was fun. In- Mochi Fuji was very fun in this. Yeah, that's the only takeaway. Mochi Fuji was very fun in this. Gaina is exactly like how Gaina is, except maybe even bigger. And yeah, nine minutes, touch football. On to the next. Yeah, let's get to the next. Uh, this was a three-way second generation war where the second generation wrestlers finally face off case. How long have they been calling for wanting to have all these kids just scrap it out? Uh, ever since Mochizuki Jr. showed up, basically. Yeah, so we got that. It was Strong Machine J versus Mochizuki Jr. versus Ishin. Ishin won with a clutch hold out of nowhere. Real interesting heel work across these two shows between Hio and Ishin. What are your what, what's your overall vibe on all caps Ishin right now? Are you impressed by what he's doing? Oh, he's he's supplied he's supplied uh, supplanted UT. Sorry, 
Sutter there as my favorite wrestler to watch in Dragon Gate. Really? He is fascinating from the entrance to him unmasking himself to the way he conducts himself in the ring. This is someone that like I, I went on about this before for everyone who says like, oh, James Dean, someone that that's the rebel hell cause. No, you want to have your youth be dead behind the eyes and just wanting to destroy the world that has wronged them, like Marlon Brando and the Wild Ones, and that's what we get from Ishan. And his wrestling was already great, in my opinion. It's just the the added thing about his heel characterisms that have really put over the top. I can't look away when Ishan's on screen. I don't know if I would say he's my favorite wrestler to watch on the promotion, but I'm with you on all of the praise that you just heaped on him. I, I think it's well-deserved because, yeah, he's, he's enthralling to watch because I still... It, it, it's interesting. It doesn't feel like this character is fully fleshed out and it still feels incredibly interesting, which is kind of rarefied air to be in. Normally, like I, I think about it a lot with, you know, a new Japan wrestler that goes on excursion and when they come back, they get their big gimmick and it doesn't always hit right away. And we sort of go through, well, if they're, they're going to come back at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, that match isn't as good as we want it to be. New beginnings a little bit better by the time they get to new Japan cup and, uh, whatever invasion attack is called now. Okay, now they figured it out. It, it, normally, there, there's those speed bumps there, and they're they're there with Ishin, but not to the prominent degree that I think other wrestlers that have undergone a drastic gimmick change earlier in their career have experienced. I mean, it, it, it seems like it has room to grow, but it's still really good in the way that it's positioned. And I thought this match uh, was really laid out in a clever way where... You have Strong Machine J going after Mochizuki Jr., but you have Ishin going after Strong Machine J. And although there were those moments where it was two guys wrestling and one guy watching, I thought for the most part it was a pretty cohesive three-way match. It was because the one guy walk, watching was Ishin and he was being a vulture. Yes. Which, it, it was fascinating stuff. And you even had like the fact that like Mo, uh, Masaki Mochizuki got involved and was in the finish. Like They basically, junior and senior, butt heads. Ishin wins with a pen. Interestingly enough, uh, the Dragon Gate official uh, social media calls it a clutch hold. Other other sources call it the Henka clutch. Which case, how are you on your sumo? Uh, non-existent. So Henka is a move in sumo wrestling that is very frowned upon. It is seen as very distasteful and like un. It's seen as cowardly. It's basically a way to, it, without like like getting into like the. The dynamics basically you are doing the uh you're being a bullfighter and you step out of the way of the bull gotcha. on the opening charge and you win by them falling over it's seen as very distasteful so it's very fitting that him as a heel would be would have a, a pinning move after a distasteful sumo move based off his dad i love that ishan's going after strong machine jay's mask that that is a recipe for success because that, that's really happened twice this year once in this match which i thought was super entertaining and then the Triangle Gate match that I will continue to reference as one of my single favorite matches of the year that Ata, Kotaro, Suzuki, and Nozawa Rongai versus KZ, Strong Machine J, and UT Triangle Gate match in which they all went and bloodied Strong Machine J and tried to rip his mask off. And I just, as the year goes on, you know, I look at, at, at these notebook matches that I have and you know, quite frankly, some of them blend together. I don't remember the details of all of these AEW matches that I loved. I don't remember all the details of, of some of these Dragon Gate matches that I loved. That match I remember. This triple threat match that I went three and a half stars on, I will also remember. I thought there were some very distinct and well put together spots here. Yeah, I was three and three quarters on it. I adored it. This was just really nice stuff. It was cool things to see from the company. Okay, so it's time to talk about the match. 
the match. The match, the international dream tag team match as Dragon Kid teamed with pro wrestling Noah's Ninja Mac against the Absolute Boys, Shun Monte, the Sky Diamonds, Shun Skywalker and Diamante. Ninja Mac won by a count out when they were doing the brawl to the outside and Ninja Mac did a convoluted flippity do to get back in the ring at the 20 count. I don't know. I, I yeah. I, you know, we've we've all got our things we like and dislike. I I I think you and I are on the low end of this. I, I just it, it comes down to the fact that in the same way that I think Fuda could go and succeed anywhere else in the world, uh, he, you know, he's almost behind the eight ball in Drangate. I just don't think Ninja Mac is on the level of anybody on the roster. I mean, it, the the. I, I yeah. don't want this to come across as offensive, but who do you think is a better overall high flyer, Kaito Nagano or Ninja Mac? Well, seeing that they let Kaito Nagano wrestle entire matches, whereas Ninja Mac case, it was notable how little they wanted to wrestle with Ninja Mac on this, in this match. Yeah, the, the, it, Ninja Mac reeks of wrestle jam, doesn't he? Yeah, and it, it's something that well, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, careful about because I don't want to sound like I just I'm outright just burying it. Case, when was the last time you've seen the Super Frankensteiner messed up in any fashion? Uh, n- n- none that stick out of my mind. So Ninja Mac almost completely just did not was not there. I guess we did not know what was happening when this is a move that Dragon Kid's done for twenty years. And if you study uh, Torimon Dragonism whatsoever, you will see this move many times and. It was something where it looked like Dragon that, that Shun Skywalker was about to fall off uh, Ninja Mac's shoulders onto the floor. It was scary. You know, I, I think, and it's not it's not my cup of tea just because Ninja Mac does high flying. That is not really my cup of tea. But look, he's he's got a steady job in Noah. They seem to respect him there, and clearly he caught the interest of Drangate in some way, shape, or form. I just don't think he's up to the standard of of wrestler that Drangate offers, and. That you know that that is an insult, but it's also not. I mean, he he's dealing with Shun and Diamante, who I think are two of the fifteen best wrestlers in the world, and Dragon Kid, who is still as good as ever. He he just One happened the top to get ten high flyers ever. Oh, of course. He he just yeah. you know Ninja Mac got a little exposed in this match, and that's kind of what I was expecting. I I will say, Mike, I did warn you. I said, look, Ninja Mac's not coming here to take this fall, and they're not going to oh, pick yeah. Dragon Kid. And I don't think they're pinning Shun, and I'm worried that they're going to pin Diamante. I would rather have this finish than him pinning Diamante, but this finish was still the drizzling shits. Yeah, it just the the finish made this entire exercise a waste of time. Like, I, would, I think I would have rather them do a double count out. Yeah, double count out, no contest. Just completely throw the match out instead of having something that felt completely undeserved. Uh, yeah, it's... <sighs> It's, it was something that uh, Diamante and Mac had a good section. It was something that was like, oh, yeah, Diamante, of course. And then, you know, the rest of the match happened. I really don't. It, it's hard for me to find more things to say about this match other than that finish was awful. I, I think I think the people that enjoy Ninja Mac are going to enjoy this match. I came in not being a super big fan. And so seeing him be less than perfect with Diamante. I, you know, I start to poke holes in him at that point. Like, oh, yeah, not, not a, not a Drangi junior. Go, go have fun in Noah. And, and so I think it's just a matter of if you're a Ninja Mac fan coming in, I think you're going to enjoy this. If you're not a Ninja Mac fan, this is not the match that's going to win you over. 
Yeah, and to be fair to Mac, uh, when you're in the ring with those three guys, I mean, Diamante has wrestled these three guys 200 times a year since two, 2020. Shun Skywalker has faced Dragon Kid incessantly since he debuted in 2016. It was something that there he was always going to stick out. It just was going to be something of how well could they hide it, and it just didn't hide it. I will say the handspring dive that he does to the floor is spectacular. Oh, yeah. it, oh, no. it, it gets me every time. I go, ah, damn, that's really cool. Oh, incredibly talented at what he does. Incredibly talented at what he does. Like, don't get me wrong about that, but I just stuck out. But I case... wonder, I, I wonder. Oh, go ahead. Like, what what is what is his best case scenario? Is he like a somebody that Ring of Honor should feature prominently? Because I, I, you know, again, look, he's got a steady job and Noah. Noah seems to respect him. Ninja Mac Noah Superstar is just not it doesn't resonate in my mind it seems like there has to be an, a, a path for him given his skill set that it, there should just be something better for him don't you think yeah like I was actually kind of surprised he didn't catch on AAA yeah I, that's that's a that seems like a perfect spot for him yeah yeah, because like as you say, yeah, him and Noah, it it, it works, but does it, but it's not working naturally. It feels no. It's look, it it's there's Noah shows, and then Dante Leone and Ninja Mac show up, and and it's jarring on a number of levels. But it it just you know you can't put him in AEW because you don't in the same way that you know. I, he kind of gets exposed with Shun and Diamante. You know, he'd get exposed with Phoenix and I think even like a Dante Martin at this point, quite frankly. But I wonder if you just put him in a ring of honor or, you know, I, I don't really wish impact on anybody, but if you put him in impact, if, if that's the answer, it, it seems like there's a place where you can really maximize his talent, you know, almost like a, a 911 and ECW, where if you just do, if, if you just limit him as much as possible, you actually maximize him. You know, I, I want to sit down and think about that because Noah's not the answer. Triple A does seem like the answer, but if he flamed out there, then, then it's obviously not. I, I just, he's such an interesting wrestler. There has to be something better for him out there. Yeah, and I hope he finds it, you know? Yeah, obviously, completely. Obviously very talented. It's just, it's a weird wrestling world right now. And some things don't work the way that you would think they would. The semi-main event case, there are three words in the English language that I that whenever I hear, I feel love. I feel full. I feel complete. And those three words are Captain's Fall Elimination. <laughs> Three-way trios match here. So before the opener, they did the drawing. Daya, Minora, and Hio are the captains. For those who don't know what a captain's fall match is, one person on each team is the captain. You can win basically two ways. You get a fall over the captain, or you eliminate everyone else on the other team, leaving the captain standing. So for those who didn't know, that's the style of match we had here. It was Minorita, the sole survivor of, of Gold Class, getting the pen with the Minorita roll. That's what he's calling the Yoshi Tonic on Hio, building up that Brave Gate match. I, I think this is a gimmick match that should be utilized in every promotion. I mean, I think it's crazy. Yes. That more, <laughs> I think it's crazy yes. That, yes. That, more, that more promotions don't do captain's fall matches. And especially this one, when they when they utilize the over-the-top rope elimination stuff, 
like the way this match was laid out i just i just thought it was all brilliant i i really really liked this it's just something that you get to have more more toys to play with and you're allowed to think a little bit differently with a captain's fall match and, and not in a way where like war games match i i'm with aaron bentley uh war games there's a formula and you can only fail the formula captain's fall is kind of like this is your new playpen go have fun and i mean they found a great way to build up binkei and yuki oshioka with this with the way they got eliminated in it, it was yeah fantastic. It, the, the, it was interesting it, i don't feel like i've seen that from a, a dragon gate tag in quite some time where they really carved out a portion for those guys to trade forearms and for the focus to really be okay this is the big title match coming up and they do that and then they end up on the apron and kai takes them both out and you know that's how they're eliminated which not only protects them but it makes kai look great uh so i i really like that aspect of it i thought i thought kakuta this is this is why i talked about kakuta being a top 50 wrestler in the world this year even with a limited profile Madoka kakuta was so fucking good in this match it was unbelievable he came off like an absolute monster throughout it and it was something that when you have that over-the-top rope uh, just rule here, you get to have things like Binke 30 seconds within the match, trying to suplex Dragon die over the top rope to the floor to eliminate him. Just crazy stuff. And it's just... It, and the uh, last stretch when everyone was ganging up on Minora, or Minorita because he was the only person standing on his team, that's like the, the goal that we always talk about when we talk about a Spans match. We got a little bit of that here. So why not do Captain's Fall Elimination through a trio's matches everywhere? I went four and a quarter on this. I'm going four. Yeah, I've talked myself into it. I was at three and three quarters as of watching, but I, it's sticking with me in a way that I should have gone four. I am now four on it. Yeah, uh, this was this was excellent. I, I This is... If you have not seen this, these last two matches, I think, are... The, these last two matches and then that Ishin Mochi Jr. Strong Machine J three-way... I think are well worth your time. And if you like the absurd, just start and watch that uh, international tag team match. You, you can know, just you start... can do that if you wish. I, I mean, some of us like the darker stuff. <laughs> the dark arts. <laughs> the dark arts. I mean, hey, the first thing I did with my uh, my Steam Deck was, oh, I can emulate on this thing. Let's see if I can get Bubsy going. That, that was the game went, before that, your time. I, Mike, I got to be honest, that all went above my head. Yeah, well, this didn't go above your head. The main event opened the Twin Gate Championship match. It was the champion team of KZ and Big Boss Shimizu of Natural Vibes versus Yama Kong reuniting with the mask as Yamato teamed up with Takashi Yoshida, the high-end assistant. Shimizu put Yoshida out with a shot put slam in 22 minutes and 21 seconds. This was the first successful defense for the Natural Vibes team. Big match, Takashi Yoshida. Get into it. Four stars, Mike Spears. Four stars on this main event. Four and a quarter really it was something that i think kz and yamato have really touch and go singles chemistry but i was really liking how they weaved like their portions in there with the big boys like this was just like this and then you, you came down and it was just shimizu and yoshida throwing bombs like what's there not to love about this no look i, I i'm with you i i really like the way this match was laid out because you're exactly right it was pretty easily segmented into two different matches it was yamato versus kz and it was shimizu versus yoshida and you know over time I, I, th there's been errors of this promotion where shimizu versus yoshida would be a turn off rather than a turn on but the build of this match has been outstanding and their chemistry has been really strong and it, it continued into this match I thought this was great. I thought this was really, really fun and just a nice way to close out this set of shows. 
And you know what's like a neat thing about this match, Case? It was the fact that you had Yamakong back and Yamato was getting mad at his, uh, at his home, not hometown, at his, I don't know what you call at his neighbors. He was getting mad at the fans for cheering for KZ and Shimizu, so he started working a little bit more heelish as the match went along there, just because he was irritated. I love that. Oh, yeah, I mean, yes, we, we've unfortunately lived in the most uninteresting Yamato outcomes possible for, for uh, quite some time now, but I, would, I, I love when he turns up the aggression a little bit like he did here. Yeah, and it was just like if this is the Amato show, having an awesome Yama Kong tag team match to finish out the show, like bring us back to New Hazard. Bring us back to real hazard while we're at it. Just fun stuff. Do you think Big Boss Shimizu is one of the three greatest Drangate tag team wrestlers of all time? So I was actually thinking about like tag team, big tag team wrestlers like, like bigger guys right before you said this so easily number one is in a rookie doy right yeah so po- possibly the greatest tag team wrestler of all time period i mean if alex shelley throws the roses at you he's someone that that would know and would know personally about him but after doy then you get into like this tier because i do put doy above everyone else yes. where it's like Yama- yamato has the teams I mean, Hulk has the teams. Like, there's a lot of people that have, like, the multiple teams. I would go Susumu, too. Then we kind of are getting into who, who's your guy there for three. Okay, so so Susumu has Kaneska. He has Ryo Saito. He has Kagatora. Is there a fourth, like, main Susumu partner that I'm not thinking of? Only his earliest is Ushi Kanda. They were at the tag team. Man, I you know I really hadn't thought about Susumu. That's a that's a good pick for number two. Yeah, but after those two, I think really it is you can make the argument for Big Boss Shimizu, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, I believe you. You can actually the person who I probably would put as three now that I'm really thinking about it, Ata. So Ata's got T Hawk. He's got Shimizu. Mm-hmm. Who's who's the? Uh... I, I I I think that highly of T and E. Yeah, man, that's I. It's been a minute since I've watched Chiyok and Ata matches. So okay, so go and watch Kobe World 2014. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. So because like and, and like that match in of itself is kind of an argument there because you have like guys like Akira Tozawa who, if we're talking straight tags, it's him and Hulk and him and Shingo. But you take it out and like, oh yeah, no, there's a lot of times where you like see awesome tags with. uh Tazawa and Ricochet, or Tazawa and Uha Nation, you know? So, like, it, it gets kind of hard to parse, I think, after the Mount Rushmore. So, let me go through a few names here, and this is just off the dome. Kind of help me figure out who their partners were. So, Shima's a name that should be mentioned. He's got Osaka 06 with Gamma, which is a hit-and-miss team, but, you know, to your point of, uh, about Ata. If you if you haven't rewatched or watched period the two Tiok and Ata versus Shima and Gamma matches from 2014, those are some of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. Uh, so he's got the Gamma partnership, he's got the Dragon Kid partnership. Is there a sh- third main line Shima partner that I can't think of? I've got two for you, buddy. Okay. Well, there's the old one that really dropped off, and that was on Fuji, the Mary team. Yeah, I, then, I, I wish we had a more prolonged run of those two together. Yeah, and then Spike Mohican. Oh, okay. The, yeah, duh. it might be Shima. Shima might be number three. Yamato 
has Yamato and Shingo, Yamato and Cyber Kong, Yamato and Doi, and Yamato and Hulk. That's a that's a pretty impressive four, four team run. And that's Yamadoi. Which yeah, other than Speed Muscle, they're they're as good as it ever got. Yeah, Yamato might. You see, you list out their cases, and I immediately go, yeah, no, they're number three. But Yamato might because the four teams right there, and then the longest or the most defending Twin Gate champions of all time. Now, BB Hulk, you've got Hulk and Tozawa. Mm-hmm. You've got Hulk and Shingo, Hulk and Yamato, and Hulk and Kai. Is there, I feel like I might be forgetting another Hulk one. He was, a, he, was a, he was a singles guy in Die yeah. Hearts. He was a singles guy in Poss Hearts. He didn't really... I guess he was teaming with Shingo. And New Hazard. But and, not. And, Ty, and Typhoon is actually what I was thinking. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, True. He doesn't really have a guy on World 1. So I think so. The, so again, the Hulk tag teams are Hulk and Shingo, Hulk and Tozawa... Hulk and Yamato, Hulk and Kai. I would comfortably put Yamato ahead of Hulk, and I think Shima ahead of Hulk. I think that's would good you top agree five. with that? Yeah, yeah. Just but because. I, go ahead. Just because, like, when you think about like Hulk teams, it really like Hulk and Akira does do a lot of that heavy. Yeah. Now. Okay, let me let me throw. I, I want to talk about Shimizu's case, but let me throw one other guy at you, just because I could I could see it hitting a sweet spot for you specifically. Rio Saito with the Bicycle Brothers, with Saito and Genki, and then with Saito and Susumu. You know what would get him into the top five? What's that? If any of those three, other than Muraha Sapa and Ryosuka, like if. If Bicycle Brothers was like a the third team, but it had a belt and it wasn't a gimmick team, I would see the argument. Yeah, I can't I can't point to the best Bicycle Brothers match. Well, all of them, first yeah. and foremost. <laughs> but then with Shimizu, and this is why I brought this up, Shimizu has the run with Big T. He's got two reigns uh, as Big Ben with Ben K. He's got the Big E run with Ata. He's got the King Shimizu and Susumu Yokosuka run from last year, which was awesome. And now he's got this KZ run where, again, you know, this was this was a four-star match, and I, I, I thought their match against Hulk and Kai, I, I think I went notebook on that as well. Uh, oh, no, I went three and three quarters on that. So I, th- that's, a, that's a really impressive resume. Yeah, it's something where... I think if I like you like sit down and you like look at the teams, you look at the belts, you look like, oh yeah, no, Shimizu is up there. It's just something that other than uh, I would say that uh that uh maximum big Ben run, it never felt like like these tag teams were great and he's a phenomenal tag team wrestler, but like when you compare him to the rest of it, like you have Doi who has Doyama, speed muscle, just whenever he tags with anyone, it's brilliant. And you don't, and but like those were his things for a while. It always feels like with Shimizu, like yeah, Big Ben, Big T, Big E. Uh, I loved Shimizu and Susumu. That's like uh, th- that Shimizu and Susumu reign. Sorry to cut you off, but it's Shimizu and Susumu versus Ashida and Sakamoto. Shimizu and Susumu versus Ben K and Dragon Kid. 
Shimizu and Susumu versus the Strong Machines, which was Strong Machine J and Strong Machine K, which that wasn't great, but that was still pretty good. And then Shimizu and Susumu versus Hao and Kano before losing them to Doi and Yoshida at last year's Gate of Origin. Yeah, that's true. I like that Kano and Hao match a lot. Yeah, I, I, I liked all of those matches. And the Strong Machine, the Strong Machines one was just okay, but even that had a, you know, that was that was good enough. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I think Shimizu is someone that, like, when you counting stats, Shimizu is. But, like, my personal feel just does not put him over that line, personally. I, I think I'd, I'd go Doi, Susumu, Yamato, Shimizu at this point. I, I would give Shimizu a nose over Shima, but I could be talked out of that if anybody in the Discord wants to make an argument for Shima over Shimizu. Alright, so my five is Doi, Susumu. I'm sorry, CK1 and Spike Mohicans are enough to make you number three in my book. Uh, then, I keep on forgetting about Spike Mohicans. God damn, they were so good. Yeah, then I think it ha- I think Shimizu might end up being four. It's either him or Yamato. No, Yamato four, Shimizu five. I'm happy yeah, with y- that. Y- y- Yamato's got that. that I mean, some, of those, some of those Yama-Hulk matches were match of the year level. And I, you know, I, I don't think either of us look at that as a legendary tag team, but they have some legendary matches. Oh, no, absolutely, for sure. And it just was something that, like, on a show like this, having just these phenomenal tag team matches, because, like, Yoshida, Yoshida deserves the credit. I know that it's something that there is the Cyber Kong singles match thing, but in tag team matches, really, with Yoshida, does not let you down very often. No, I look, at one point, he had such tremendous go-away heat with me during that post-Cyber Kong, Takashi Yoshida heel run, but I, I love him currently. I mean, I, I really think he's like a marvelous pro wrestler at getting the job that he needs to get done, done. And this was just another example of, you know, in a match with four guys, he's going to be the fourth most talented, but he is the one that has just a, a, an emotional gravitas to his work that is unique to him, and it's really, really enjoyable in these big matches when it all comes to fruition. Absolutely. So that was uh, Gate of Origin. It was on the 18th. It'll be up on the network until Christmas Day. So you can watch this case immediately right before the final gate of which we have a full card for. Would you like me to read through the card and we'll reflect on it? I've got 15 to 20 minutes to preview it. Let's hurry. All right. So opening match, Natural Vibes versus M3K. Entire M3K. Mochi, Susumu, Kanda Jr., uh, KZ, Strong Machine J, Jason Lee, and Jackie Funky Kame for vibes. Uh, we have Class of 2022, Yoshiki Kato and Kaito Nagano versus Yoshida and Problem Dragon. Open the Brave Gate Championship. This is Hio versus Minorita. Lek Fuwarun Mask, eight man tag team match. Ultimo Dragon, Dragon Kid, Dragon Daya, Bokudamo Dragon. It's Quadruple Dragon's case. And it's going up against Don Fuji, Kinki, Eita, and Ho Ho Loon. Get that payday, ho ho. Uh, sp- special singles match, Kota Minora versus Diamante. They open the Triangle Gate uh, Championship match. Kai, Shun Skywalker, Ishin defending against Doi, Kondo, and Toru Owashi. Lek Gichiokun presents Shingo Takagi is back. Tag team match. Shingo Takagi of New Japan Pro Wrestling with BB Hulk versus Yamato and Madoka Kakuda. In the main event, Yuki Yoshioka defending against Ben K. 
All right, let's start at the opener and let's uh no actually well yeah, let's start at the opener, let's rifle through these uh these matches. I apologize to the listeners for cutting this a little bit short, uh, but uh the holiday season is upon us and I have stuff to do. But let's start with the opener and kind of rifle through some thoughts here. Yeah, so no twin gate match, and it makes sense now that uh, they're doing Bokudamo here, but it, it, it's in, this is an interesting thing that like you have like the whole vibes compliment. You have the M3K compliment. I mean, other than you know Junior maybe scoring a win here or getting beat up in a way, I, I naturally kind of my eyes go to Kanda eating a fall here. Yeah, no, I, I I'm looking forward to this. I I really hope this opener gets time. I I want it to be a showcase for you know the Jason Jackie and Strong Machine Jake contention of natural vibes, and I obviously. I'm invested in whatever M3K does. So I think there's a lot to like in this match. I, I hope this is more of a 12-minute opener rather than a 6-minute opener, if you know what I mean. Yeah, give this thing some time to breathe. Uh, Kato and Nagano versus High in Assistance. Uh, be fun to see Kato facing off against Yoshida. That's kind of the, the thing I'm looking forward to and seeing what uh, Nagano pops out, for, out of his hat this day. It's a really interesting match just because Kato has looked so strong that it makes me like I, I this is one of those deals where if if DraftKings took Drangate bets we would all be out of money on putting money on Kato here to pin problem Dragon because it would be so enticing the odds would be uh so strong Nagano is going to lose. He's going to get flattened by Yoshida. But I am so curious to see just how much they give Kato in this match. Because you're right. He's going to square off against Yoshida. And he's probably going to try to put Yoshida in a torture rack. And if he gets him up, I'm going to lose my mind. So I would set one, a 3,000 to one, which is exactly the kind of thing that I would put a dollar down on and just freak out and be like, come on, Kato, do it. It's not impossible, right? No. It's not impossible. It's very, very unlikely, but it's not. It's not impossible. Uh, it's Problem Dragon. He could pin Problem Dragon. I mean, you. Could I pin could pin Problem Dragon. <laughs> I could pin Problem Dragon. <laughs> huh? That's yeah. boy. That that is gonna sit with me for the next few days. <laughs> Hio versus Minorita. I know that you're thinking the uh, title switch. I I feel like they're making Minorita look strong so that Hio can beat him and move on. Still. The the thing is with that, now, you're exactly right in the sense like, hey, you know, Minorita's pick, picked up quite a few falls in the build to this, which is uh, something that I, I would look at as being a little bit concerning in terms of, you know, who is actually, or in terms of him actually winning this match. But, you know, he always had a healthy reign with this title. Uh, if it, this will be his fifth defense, you know, he's beaten SB Kento, he's beaten Jason, he's beaten Dragon Kid, he's beaten uh, Tiran Shisa. I don't have an immediate next direction for him. And I think this match is more about Minorito winning than it is about Hyo losing. Hyo has been a very solid champion. I've enjoyed his reign. But for all of the roses that have been thrown at Minorita, I think he gets that gold rose here. I think he gets his championship belt. It really is almost a thank you for the work that he's done over the first year of his career. Yeah, it's something where I can't talk myself out of thinking that Marinarita has... This is the most likely title switch on the show, I would say. Like, even though, like, we'll have a discussion about Yoshioka and Ben in a couple minutes. I just, like, it just... It is something that I feel like that for Hio... Like, maybe Marinarita can outsmart Hio. 
that I, I completely think that that's very likely. Minorita outsmarts Hio finally. Hio's the big brain is defeated and Minorita wins. Like I buy that a lot. Yeah, that that feels like it's a it's a good way for Hyo to lose because the problem is that if he wins, UT's out, so they can't do that. I mean, he could be back by February or March, but UT's out for the time being. They haven't done Hyo versus Jackie, which is you know very doable. But then you start looking down the cards, like okay, well, well, who else does he have? Because Estrella's not coming back anytime soon, and SV Kento's going to be gone at least for you know the first part of January and you know, Maria's hurt and it's not like Tamanaga's going to get a title shot. It's kind of a small list of Bravegate challengers unless they want to move into the Kaito Nagano business, which for as much as I like him, I don't see that being the next move. Minorita freshens that belt up a little bit. Yeah, no. And as you said, I think it's something that, you know, given that you could say, and I think that you'd be right in saying this, that Minorita saved gold class. So, oh, yeah. oh, I mean, I I wouldn't want to know if that unit was just Minora, Ishida, and Doi at the start of the year. I would not want to know the ruins that they would have just spread throughout this entire promotion. I mean, Minorita, it, it it, it's insane that he's a rookie given the weight that was put on his shoulders this year. Absolutely. Uh, the quadruple dragon match. Uh, they found a fun way to do a touch football match. Yeah, this is fun. Fuck you if you don't like this. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Minora versus Diamante. The- uh, special singles matches on big shows case. Will this one miss or this one continue with the trend of four stars or better? Look, I think this has to hit. I, I think yeah. Menorah is hungry for a big match. He has been so out of the picture since Kobe World, which I agree with, which thank God they did. But he has been so out of the picture since Kobe World. This is where they start to heat him up. Now, of course... You could go with Minora getting the win, get him hot into the new year, and kind of build on that. But they've they've already done Minora versus Yoshioka. I keep on telling you people, Diamante versus Yoshioka is a real possibility for a Dreamgate match. We spoke to somebody that that is going to shows in Japan right now a few months ago, and and we kind of checked in. We're like, hey, what's the, what's the deal with Diamante? Do people care about Diamante? And the result was absolutely yes. He could fill a small building Dreamgate challenge. They've got two Cork and Hall shows coming up in January. Obviously, as we've pointed out a number of times, there's the trend of Dreamgate challenge uh, of Yoshioka wanting to wrestle Dreamgate guys, but he's running out of Dreamgate guys. Diamante versus Yoshioka is a real possibility in one of those January Cork and shows. The Mexican national anthem playing in Cork and Hall. Oh I mean, my who- God, I'm going four and three quarters off that alone. Yeah, no, that this has the uh, match of the year contender watches out case on this one. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. With Diamante, with the kind of stuff that Diamante does with Minora, when we know Minora turns it on. This is something where, like I joked and said, the like the four is floor or the floor is four. The floor is probably really four and a half. Like, OK, so this ends up being a four and a quarter star match. Won't you be disappointed? That that's kind of that that's where my line is at. I, I'm kind of expecting four and a quarter. I think four would disappoint me. Four and a half would thrill me. I have no comment for four and a half thrilling you right there. Uh, Triangle Gate Championship match. <laughs> I, I, I I I the last caffeine I had was at 11 a.m. today. Kate. Oh, I, I I hit a wall about an hour ago. I'm powering yep. through, my friend. Yeah, yeah. We only got three more matches. Uh, Zebrats versus T2P. Uh, clearer Zebrats defense here. Uh. But what if 
Doi really wants to become the trio's belt collector. That's an interesting possibility that I really can't entirely eliminate. I mean, it's it's Doi as a freelancer, but it's still Doi. Like, you can't cross that out of your mind. I think this match is going to be great. Don't don't let the haters and the losers and the people that aren't plugged into Dragon Gate ruin the fun of this match. This is Zebrats a year into their unit, basically. A phenomenal heel unit all year. This is Zebrats versus a T2P team, and that is fucking fun. Don't let people ruin the fun. And continuing that fun case, Shingo and Hulk reuniting in the semi-main of against, against Yamato, Madoka, Kakuda. Of course, like, Shingo, all the attention goes towards Shingo now. And if you look at the poster, yep, makes sense. Shingo's front and center there, calling him the dragon too. Five years, or it will be four years, two months since Shingo Takagi has wrestled in Dragon Gate. I was asked a question that I wanted to, or that this was like posed in the Discord. I expect to hear Shingo's uh, uh, Dragon Gate theme. Singlet or no? I'm hoping for a singlet, but I think realistically it's a no. Yeah, like, like that's kind of where I'm at. Like it would be very funny, and especially if he chooses the yellow Berserk one. Like, like pick the one that like <laughs> only wore for two months and was the best gear he had, and he oh changed it. Oh my god, it. it was so it was so cool. <laughs> it was so good, just like bright yellow. So, unfortunately, the result here is Shingo pinning Kakuta, right? I mean, like, it's just a question of if it's going to be made in Japan or how many pumping bombers. And I would say he should eat, like, five of them. I don't think I like that, but I think it's what has to happen. I would so much rather Kakuta pin Hulk, but I just, I don't see that happening. Yeah, uh, Shingo is different from, from Ninja Mac, and Shingo will get his fall clean. I think this is going to be excellent. I'll say that much. Again, uh, there's no safer bet for a great match right now than Madoka Kakuta and it's Shingo fucking Takagi. I mean, this is th- this is awesome. Yeah, like, I don't have a lot to say to preview it because it's Shingo fucking Takagi back in Dragon Gate. Like, and, if and you know... It's, you know, it's... it's I mean, you have... you there, there's, there's no need to break this down, but it's, you know, it's Shingo and Hulk teaming. It's Shingo versus Yamato. It's Shingo versus Kakuta, who, you know, was... Uh, I believe... I saw a tweet from a Japanese account a few days ago that I believe was saying Kakuta entered the dojo in January of 2019 so that he's he had never crossed paths with Shingo, period. It might have been January of 2018. I don't remember. But nevertheless, they, they've obviously never wrestled before. I mean, Kakuta, Kakuta's only wrestled in Pandemic Crowd. He debuted in an empty arena. So there, there's just a million things to like about this match, but at the end of the day, it's Shingo Takagi, and that is what you should be excited about. And that leads us to the Open the Dreamgate Championship match. Yuki Yoshioka making yet another defense against a past champion, but it's Binkei, the one who called his own shot, the one who gave a special gift to him, who will not forget that uh, Fujiheya was a thing, and I appreciate that. But Ben, I, I, but Case, I know you're a little bit higher on Ben's chances here, so give me the pitch for Ben winning this match. I'm at, I'm at like 75-25, and I think the pitch is that Ben K is just more over than he's ever been in his entire career. Again, this match was set up on the same show that Shingo returned, and the Shingo pop was bigger, but not by much. Ben, th- this chicky chicky Ben K thing is such 
a phenomenon. And I, I said this on the show last week, but you know, for it's funny because for most of Ben K's career, I think it's the English speaking audience that has been more into him than the, the Japanese audience. And, oh, much so, much and, so. And, and I just think there's there's people that don't realize how over this current Ben thing is. And and you and I have spoken to people that that are in the building at these shows who are going like, yeah, this is what this is. This is the thing right now. This is what everybody wants to be a part of. And I, I think it's incredible. I, I really can't rule him out of winning. I don't think he's the favorite. I think Yoshioka will retain. But if Ben hits him with a spear and pins him, I'll put it this way. It would be far less shocking than Kai pinning Yamato last year and about 100 times less shocking than Doi pinning Ben three years ago. Yeah, that's basically where I'm at. Uh, you know, one in four, 25%, that seems pretty fair. Uh, I like your argument about, like, he is the hottest hand, and honestly, probably the hottest hand the company has had since uh, since before COVID. Like It, it, it just, it, it, for as much as they want to do long-term with Yoshioka, and I support all those long-term endeavors, and I get it, and I think he's the guy, and he's showing at the box office that he's the guy. There is something about this time and this place with Ben K and all of the gold chains and all of the charisma adding the Dreamgate belt to his arsenal, it just, it would just work. It, they are in a really interesting place here where they could get short-term gains or long-term gains. I hope they side with long-term, but I don't think Ben K is the wrong move if that's the direction they go in. No, I'm with you on that. I, I still think that, like, you're you're saying this out up for Yoshioka, and you have the the business reasons why not to take the belt off Yoshioka, and I think at the end of the day... They say the course, but it would be interesting to live in a chicky, chicky world. And oh. God, God, he better be like just the, the cameras better have to like reset their white balancing. He's that sparkling on the twenty fifth. <laughs> he's he's un- the, the photos of him and Minora and Minorita on Instagram. Just those three together, it is surreal to look at. Just a bunch of deviants. It's uh, amazing. I really hope, no matter what happens here. I hope they continue to run with this Ben K Minorita tag team. I'm not done with them in two versus two matches. No, neither am I. But that will be uh, uh, the uh, final gate. It's on the 25th. It's on Christmas Day. Uh, 5 o'clock p.m. local time in Japan. 3 a.m. East Coast. 12 a.m. West Coast. Uh, 8 Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week. we got to figure that out for both this. And the last show of the year for Dragon Gate will be on the 27th. Uh, the traditional Kobe hometown farewell. So 2022 is almost over, Kay, so that you know what that means. List. Yep, lists. And we will we have a bit of a break. So probably not next week with final getting of this, but during the uh, the the Christmas break for Dragon yes. Gate, we will be we'll be back with our best of 2022 episode. Yes, we will. And I think that's gonna do it unless you have anything else, bud. No, I gotta run. Yep, that will do it. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for joining us all year. And hopefully, however you practice, whatever holiday you celebrate. Hope you have a nice holidays, but we'll be back with you sometime next week to talk to you about Final Gate and the farewell from Kobe. Take care, everyone. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all 
all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. 